When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the Knapsack Files Studios in Studio City, California, this is Spotlight Star Wars, and I'm your host, Ken Knapsack. For an episode I'm titling... No Jedi, no love? Question mark. Just got back from Chicago, going out with the Screen Junkies crew, which uh, I guess I technically can say I'm part of the Screen Junkies crew. That is my job. And we had a great time out at Wizard World Chicago. We had two great panels that were sold out, standing room only, and then an impromptu meet and greet with about 400 fans. It lasted uh, almost two hours. Uh, You guys made that trip fun for the Screen Junkies crew. So if you're out there and I got the chance to, to meet you, uh, thank you so much. While I was in Chicago at Wizard World, and, and the fine folks at Wizard World do a spectacular job putting together a great convention. Been to a lot of them a lot recently, and um, Wizard World uh, is just, it's slightly different in a good way. The floor is, uh, it's not just, uh, I hear a lot of people say, well, it's not as crowded as San Diego. Of course it isn't. San Diego Comic-Con is bigger than itself. Um, It it attracts just, uh, it is the one. To most people, when you say you're going to Comic-Con, they envision San Diego Comic-Con. There's so many other cons out there. There's uh, perhaps too many at times. Um, But I can tell you, honestly, that Wizard World, uh, what they put on is uh, just slightly different. It is definitely something for the fans. You feel it uh, from uh, entering until uh, you leave. This was something for the fans. It's not just about the industry coming to show off their wares and uh we had a fun time out there why uh while on the floor i got some chances uh, to do some shopping but when you're flying in and was a, a whirlwind adventure uh leaving at 3 30 uh, to the airport on a friday uh flying uh, to just outside chicago rosemont and uh, returning home in time for bedtime saturday night that's a whirlwind set of uh, under 46 hours, basically. So um, when you're flying like that, you really can't uh, go crazy when you're shopping. Uh, you uh, you can't uh, pick up some of the big ticket toy items you might want to take home, and there were definitely ones I saw. So I did want to purchase something. I wanted some something from my first trip out with the Screen Chunkies and my first trip to a Wizard World convention, and then Chicago's kind of their big one. That's their home base convention. Um, so I wanted to buy something. So I went out shopping. Of course, my eyes are going to naturally gravitate to something Star Wars related. And uh, I found a vendor who had just a bin, an open bin of classic Kenner Star Wars figures. Uh, selling them for uh, decent, re- reasonable prices. These were all out-of-box figures. 
some in various uh, conditions and shapes. Some I even saw a few Darth Vaders without a cape or a lightsaber, uh, and they were priced accordingly. And it was just a, a bin of Star Wars figures. So I was just kind of looking through. And uh, if you know me enough, if you followed my Star Wars adventures on my various podcasts, you know that one of the, um, I guess we can call it heartbreaks of my life, is that as a young youth, a reckless youth, I sold all my Star Wars action figures, all but the Y-Wing and uh, the uh, Walker, Imperial Walker Commander, which essentially is General Veers and uh, unnamed, but... uh, uh, those are the figures I've left. Oh, and a wayward Imperial Death Star gunner figure somehow um, remained uh, from my uh, toys that I sold at a garage sale as a child for something like two bucks. Sold my garage, uh, my, my lunch pail full of Star Wars toys because I wanted to buy Gulp a skateboard, which I did buy, by the way. And eventually I sold that skateboard uh, to a friend of mine to raise funds to buy a catcher's mitt when I started playing baseball. So, in a way, selling the Star Wars figures had a great, greater purpose in my life. But as you get older, you look back. I have just about every other toy that uh, I have uh, had during uh, my youth. Um, I say my youth like it was the past. Let's be honest. It's still going on here. Um, I even have my mask figures. I, I have my He-Man figures, G.I. Joe figures. I have all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't have the Star Wars stuff. And you can imagine that that pains me. Especially as I move on into my career and get into the Star Wars media, and we're talking about you know the figure fights we did over on uh, uh, on uh, Jedi Alliance. It's like we're talking about figures I don't have anymore. So I was able to look through this bin of action figures um, and and just kind of bring back some memories. And it's weird with the ones that that uh, create and uh, uh, these memories. Uh, they wouldn't be the ones you think. You know, there was there were some Luke Skywalker ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the one that like uh, I really. I uh, just held on to that figure, and it was like a lightning bolt uh, v- took me, transported me to my uh, memories of, of a, my youth, was uh, Weequay, which is one of the skiff guys uh, on Jabba's team, Team Jabba. Um, and uh, I had that figure, and I always loved that figure. It was very vibrant, the colors, his leathery face, he, uh, the, the bandana hanging from his head, and then the, he had blue and, and, and beige and, and a metal uh, color, uh, you know, part of his uh, armor. And I always loved that figure. So he had that there, and I was kind of holding it. I'm thinking to myself, it was priced, I think, maybe 10 15 bucks, And I'm like, this would be kind of fun to pick up, um, just to, you know, have, have kind of recreate that memory. And I was thinking of doing it. And then you're running there, ah, do I want to do I want to spend that much money on just a little figure? Uh, we got to fly out here in a bit. Uh, I got to go pay for this rum and Coke that I want. Uh, what are you going to do? Then I, I kind of put the figure down. And was about to pass on and, and walk away from the vendor when I saw smushed up against the side of the box in a little little baggie, priced priced to go at fifteen dollars cash, was a classic Kenner Han Solo. And uh, if you follow me on Instagram, I posted the picture of that scoundrel who made the trip home with me from Wizard World. It is uh, the big head Han. It uh, <laughs> I'm looking at it now. I'm holding it in my hands now. That is uh, nothing like Harrison Ford. But then again, none of those original Kenner uh, action figures really captured the human faces uh, at all. This looks, well, it's a <laughs> little closer inspection. Grab your big head Han figures and take a look. But the outfit itself is pretty good. That vest looks pretty good. Anyways, the point being, I picked it up 
Obviously, I bought it because I'm holding it in my hands now. And it came with a little blaster, Hans blaster. You got to have that. And it's in pretty good shape. Uh, actually, it's in it's in really good shape. Uh, the, the paint, there's a little bit of paint missing on his hair, little spots. It almost looks like it's uh, Hans balding. Uh, but everything else, I got to say, is pretty good. The articulation, which there wasn't much articulation of the classic Kenner Star Wars figures. It's all still there. The figure is not loose. Uh, you know, the legs move uh, pretty sturdy. Um, but this is not about the quality of the figure. This is about correcting, correcting something from my youth. Because you see, and this is weird because Han Solo was, in fact, my favorite Star Wars guy, and, and he still is pretty much to this day. I'm a Han Solo guy. I know it's a it's a it's a big club where all, there's a lot of Han Solo guys out there, but I'm I'm definitely a Han guy. I I, I uh, have to confess something. Back in the day, even before that fateful garage sale, I never owned a Han Solo Kenner action figure from the golden days. Later on, I collected Hans left and right. I had a lot of Han Solos. I mean, I'm looking at my uh, looking at my black uh, black series Han Solo hanging on my wall, which is hanging next to a piece of Han Solo artwork. Um, I, I have uh, I uh, from the uh, 1995 Power of the Force, kind of the big re-release push in the mid 90s. I have just about any Han you can find that was released during that time. Uh, I also have the Black Series Han in Stormtrooper costume. I have a lot of Han Solo merchandise and memorabilia now, but I never had. Never had, and I couldn't tell you why, I never had the classic Kenner Han Solo action figure. So, I reached into that bin, I saw it there, I held it in the little plastic baggie, I saw the price. For some reason, I was expecting it to be more. I, I, I might have paid 40 bucks for this. Um, out of the box, not on card, none of those collector catchphrases. This was just a loose Han Solo figure in a little plastic baggie with the blaster for $15. And I'm thinking to myself, that is well worth the price to transport myself back to my youth and correct a mistake I was never able to correct earlier on, which is getting a classic Han Solo action figure. I have it in my hand now. The blaster fits perfectly into his hand. You can almost see him just saying, uh, sorry for the mess, and tossing some coins onto the bar in the cantina. Um, this makes me very, very happy. It's almost emotional, right? Can you feel the emotion? Sniff. Um, it means a lot. These silly little figures, they mean a lot. And I don't think people who are on the outside of, of collecting fully understand that. And I don't think people on the outside of Star Wars fully understand what these little things mean to us. This is a path back to my youth to a happier time. Uh, not that I'm depressed now, I should say, but this takes you back to an innocent time. This takes you back, and it also moves you forward because this figure I'm holding my hand now, it's young Han Solo, basically, and I cannot wait to Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens to see old Han Solo in action, to complete the story. And that's uh, that's what this figure means, man. And it, and it and it's like almost me communicating with my old self, going, "Don't worry, you're gonna sell all these action figures now at about nine, ten years of age, and you're gonna get a skateboard. Eventually, you get a catcher's mitt. But one day, you will get the one figure that you never ever got. And suddenly, the fact that I sold that uh, pail of Star Wars figures back in the day, uh, it doesn't doesn't hurt as much.
because I got me a Han. And it's going to go right on my shelf up here where I have a classic uh, Kenner Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker and Hoth gear, which was given to me by my friend Matt Dickinson on my final day of work at my old job. Um, and I put it in my, uh, put it in my uh, suit pocket. Or my my shirt pocket where I wore my suit my final day, and it was there the whole day. Luke was watching with me, and now he's up on my shelf. And finally, my Luke will be joined by Han, the dynamic duo. We'll be together, and that makes me very, very happy. While I was in the airport uh, traveling back, I uh, on a whim, I saw the Entertainment Weekly with Kylo Ren on the front, and I bought it. Uh, not that I had made some stand against buying it. We, uh, on the last episode of Spotlight Star Wars, discussed uh, the pictures. And um, I, I you said, you know what, I've seen, I, I finally got to, uh, I got to get these things uh, in my hand. Um, and I did. And I read the interview, read the article on the flight back. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's all good. Now, one thing so I, I talked about on last week's Spotlight Star Wars, that my favorite picture of the pictures released was the picture of Ray, as portrayed by Daisy Ridley, of course, uh, getting BB-8 out of the bag, and uh, on, on, on looks like on, on the dunes of Jakku, and I really loved that picture because it just it looked like Star Wars to me, and it just ta- it just created an, a universe to me. Uh, so a lot of you knew at the time, because you'd already looked at the pictures in the magazine. I'd only seen them online and tried to avoid a lot of stuff. So now we can say that this character that uh, Daisy Ridley is retrieving BBA from is called Tito, T-E-D-O, and he's writing a Lugabeast. And the Lugabeast is like I... T- <laughs> I still can't tell if it's creature or droid. It is, uh, and and the term lugabeast doesn't answer that question for me. Um, but those are those are your characters, uh, Tito and a lugabeast, and I love it. It makes me love the picture even more. Uh, it is a fully functioning Star Wars universe that we are about to go into. Uh, on Twitter, on the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, that's where you can go to uh, uh, hashtag and talk to me uh, so I can find the, uh, the conversation pieces uh, a lot easier. Ryan McKenna at McKenna19 asked me, he says, hey, loving Spotlight Star Wars. Uh, thank you, thank you, Ryan. Uh, why do you describe photos with no, no story context as spoilers? We did talk about this a little bit, um, and it's a conversation Joseph Scrimshaw and myself have had offline uh, a lot um, uh, about we're both kind of in the same ballpark where look these pictures entertainment entertainment weekly are great and i'm looking at the one now of kylo ren on the inside it's not the cover the cover is a great great shot of kylo ren but it's kylo ren with three first order stormtroopers um looks like they're burning uh, something on uh, jakku behind them and it looks great it looks great it gets me geeked up even more than than i thought it would and um so Ryan asks, why is that a spoiler? Well, this is where you know guys like Scrimshaw and I come down on. It's a great picture. It's got Kylo Ren. He's marching. He's fierce. I love the character of Kylo Ren already. It's got the First Order Stormtroopers. Uh, you see that there's a, a through line going back to the Empire because it uh, looks like one of the, the leaders of that group of Stormtroopers is wearing the, the orange shoulder pad that we've become uh, familiar with in the Star Wars universe, indicating some sort of rank as a Stormtrooper. Um, and then they're burning this thing behind it. And it is uh, looks like a little settlement. It's like a thatched roof. It's like a campsite type thing. They're burning it. And from what we've seen from the trailers, it's probably Jakku. 
So what, why, Ryan, and it's, it's a fair question, Ryan, uh, um, why do I consider this photo somewhat of a spoiler? Because if you've seen enough of the stuff that's out there, this is where Scrimshaw and I uh, come down together on. If you've seen enough of the stuff out there, the trailers, the other pictures, behind-the-scenes stuff, things that have leaked and you didn't want to see, you see all of that, I can kind of put together a plot point from this picture. Uh, I won't even go into it, what I think it is now on this episode, but I can kind of piece it together. Now, it could be wrong. Phantom Menace, I go back to the trailer of Phantom Menace, both the teaser and the full-length trailer of Phantom Menace, are still to this day. Go back and watch them. They're great. They they get you geeked up for a movie that didn't come, and that's even with me kind of softening my stance on the on the prequels a little bit uh, over the last year, working Jedi Lions. Um, it, you, you watch that trailer, and it's a different movie. Now, when it came out, I did the same thing just on the trailer and some of the pictures that were released in Vanity Fair at the time, um, you, you kind of start piecing them together and you, you form the movie in your mind, which I've talked also on the show uh, before, creates kind of false expectations because whatever's, uh, whatever actually comes out doesn't meet the story that you contracted uh, uh, or, or constructed, I should say, in your mind. And, and that could be where very well be the case here. I'm looking at this picture of Kylo Ren and, and the little hut burning behind it, and I have formed... I have formed a plot point in my head. And unfortunately, in this day and age, with a lot more stuff available than in the spring of 1999, some of the stuff in my head that I'm thinking, I think is already confirmed. And I am i don't dive into spoilers at all. So that, that Ryan, I hope answers your question in, in a um, fair and, and balanced manner. I think it's a great question. And I thank you for listening to the show. Um, um Take them by themselves? Do they mean, does this picture mean anything by itself? No, not so much. The picture of Captain Phasma, and yes, everybody, I am getting more used to that name, um, Captain Phasma. Um, that That's a great picture. And in fact, at Wizard World, some people, I don't know if it was licensed. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But there was a vendor selling like the blown up versions of these Entertainment Weekly photos. Um, and the the one of Captain Phasma, I, I got to say, I almost bought because it was, it would have been perfectly uh, perfect to be framed on a wall. It was a great photo. I just, I just didn't want to, uh, didn't want to buy something that maybe uh, an agent of Lucasfilm would show up at my door later and take from me. But some of the pictures, you get, you know, Finn in a, in a crash Tie Fighter, and uh, even look, even this picture I like of Ray kind of looks like now rescuing BB-8 from this uh, Tito guy in the Lug of Beast. That shows me that you know, at one point she either doesn't have or loses BB-8. So that's a plot point to me. And I'm trying to go in with as little knowledge as possible. And I get that that's kind of an extreme case. Again, it's a bit of an extreme case. Um, I, I certainly don't uh, think you all have to follow my path. It's a dark path. Uh, some of you, uh, I know some people who, who, who know a lot, even when they didn't uh, intend to read it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, this weekend was telling me that he'd heard some stuff about Skywalker, and he was excited, and I cut him off, and I was like, I don't want to know nothing. I don't want to know anything. And he goes, oh, I won't tell you anything, but it's cool. I'm like, well, but then you're telling me something. You're telling me something right now. You've said too much already. Um, and I get it. I, I am the, the extreme case here. Um, but that is, uh, that is why I look at the spoilers as carefully as possible. I want to talk a little bit. My title uh, for this episode, No Jedi, No Love. I want to talk about something I've seen pop up a few times about Rogue One. A Star Wars story. Um, 
I will say, uh, as you all know, I am so looking forward to Rogue One. I think it is a great idea. The cast photo released last week and the cast uh, news last week got me even more excited. I love this. This is a this is a, a Star Wars war picture. This is a Star Wars adventure picture, Star Wars heist movie, whatever you want to say. It is a different kind of Star Wars. And one of the things that came out of Star Wars Celebration in the Gareth Edwards panel, the director of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, uh, Gareth Edwards uh, said that this is a they're, they, t- they they touched on the fact that this really could be and I don't think it's a hundred percent but it could be the first Star Wars movie where Jedi have little to nothing to do with the story because this is about the rebels trying to get the Death Star plans and remember at the time they everyone in the universe believed that the Jedi were no more Obi Wan was believed to be uh, gone Yoda gone if, if in some cases not even remembered no one knew about Luke Luke was certainly not yet a Jedi and Darth Vader was the last dude in the galaxy to be walking around in the open with a lightsaber so during Rogue One it is is con- completely feasible that we don't get ourselves a Jedi now unless someone like Kanan shows up. Uh, carries over from the Rebels storyline, it's possible. That's what I'm saying. I don't take it as 100% that there's not going to be a lightsaber or not going to be a Jedi in this uh, edition of, uh, of, of a Star Wars story. But it's, it's more than likely that we don't. And I've seen more than a few times, and I, I saw this morning. Because it looks like the boys and gals over at Jedi Alliance are going to be doing a Rogue One uh, spotlight episode this week. And I saw in the comment section, someone saying, I'm not looking forward to this movie. It's not going to be good. It's not going to have Jedi. So the question I pose is, no Jedi, no love? Do you need Jedi to be in every Star Wars story? Some of you, you might. I'm not attacking that idea. I'm not attacking that opinion. I get it. Jedi, lightsabers, the Force... That is pretty much at the core of Star Wars. That's pretty much what it's all about. I mean, you can get into some philosophy-type angles there, talking about uh, what Lucas, uh, you know, the the stories behind the stories. But when you're just talking about Star Wars itself, lightsabers, Jedi, robes, the Force, a big part of it. So I I understand why why someone would say, hey, uh, Rogue One, no Jedi, I'm out. But... The question I pose back to you is, do you need Jedi in every story? Do you need the Force in every Star Wars story? I don't think you do. Rogue One, to me, is very, very interesting because it covers, number one, part of the Star Wars story at large that we've always heard about. or It's the read-between-the-lines thing I've discussed before of uh, the stolen plans and how do they get to the princess's hands. How did she get them to put them into R2? Like, I want to hear that story. But this also covers a time where the Empire was at its strongest, probably. Um, If if you look at the time frame, not to spoil uh, Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD, but what's going on in that animated series right now, some of that stuff has to end. We know these guys, the Kanans and the Ahsoka, the returning Ahsoka and Hera and all these people, uh, Ezra, we know they're not necessarily going to win. There's no clean victory coming for those Rebels in Rebels. There's just no clean victory because we know that by the time... Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope starts. The Empire is at its full strength. They may be trying to scramble and, 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 and hold on to the galaxy, but they've got their super weapon finally completed after 19 years. Uh, I'd like them to explain that delay. Um, 
you got all that stuff going and the Empire is at its most mighty. And don't forget, at the beginning of New Hope, the the, the Empire is so strong that the Emperor himself has dissolved the, the Imperial Senate. It is a, That is fresh news. That is breaking news in the Star Wars universe at the beginning of New Hope. That's one of the first things they say is the Emperor can't remain uh, keep control with the bureaucracy. No, don't worry about all that political stuff. That was the prequels. No, no, the Imperial Senate is no more. The Emperor has done away with it. We are in full control. We are the Empire. So that's what's going on at the time of Rogue One when the story starts. And they truly are going to be a band of rebels. And I don't mind. I, I've been... Critical is not the word, but the, the Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD has not been um, my favorite show uh, compared to other Star Wars shows. But it, it, as I've said, I've, it, it grew and is going to go grow into a great great show, and I'm excited for it. But, but I, I do like, even though I didn't like some of the stuff early on with Ezra and everything, I do like the connected universe aspect of that. I do love Kanan. I'd love Ahsoka Tano. And so I, I do want to see these characters in some way. Do I want to see Ahsoka Tano on screen in Rogue One? Nah, not necessarily. I don't need that. But some kind of mention, an, a mention of Kanan and Ahsoka Tano in Rogue One, making it kind of official. By the way, we don't know what's going to happen to Force Awakens. Max von Sydow could very well be playing Kanan at a very old age. That could very well be the case. Um, I, I like that it's connected. But I love that in Rogue One, we're getting the rebellion at its core. I, I want to say beginning, but we don't know that necessarily. I'd say that's more in Rebels. But we are getting the rebellion at its most ragtag moment. They are trying to organize. They're trying to get this together. And they know that in order to save the galaxy, they need to get these plans. And to their knowledge, there's no Jedi around to help them. All right. Now, could there again, could there be a secret Jedi in Rogue One? Yes. Yes, there could be. But I'm, I'm going on the notion that if, maybe we don't have that. If we do not have that at all, are you telling me that story? That this ragtag band of rebels who clearly now come from different uh, planets, races, ethnic backgrounds, genders, all this kind of thing that's going into Rogue One and they're doing an amazing job with it. And I love that because that, to me, and there are going to be some aliens, too. Um, uh, Alan, uh, Alan Tudyk uh, is, is, is doing motion capture. The rebellion should represent the galaxy as a whole because even though it was not necessarily widespread, everyone at once having a rebellion, to me, the rebellion should represent the galaxy as a whole. It is not just a bunch of uh, white dudes fighting for this freedom. It is everyone. And, and Rogue One seems to be setting that up quite well. It is the galaxy as a whole trying to do something in a time where all hope was lost. Again, we're in need of a new hope. That new hope might have been a little boy on the world of Tatooine who hadn't even had a lightsaber yet. A farm boy gone good. But um, that hasn't come yet. And at the time of Rogue One... None of that exists in any of these people's minds. It is just these guys doing it on their own, without the use of the Force, without the use of a Jedi who can just swipe through stormtroopers or, or droids with one swing of his lightsaber, who can stick a, a lightsaber into a, a door and open it up uh, by just kind of burning it out like Qui-Gon does in Phantom Menace and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I like all that. Uh, I, I want my favorite. I want, I want to force choke somebody. I, I want the force push. Uh, I, I like all that. But these rebels can't rely on that. They're on their own. They must do it by themselves. It is a grassroots, nitty-gritty, down-and-dirty operation. 
And I love that that's the story we're going to get to find out. And and again, uh, there could be a Jedi. If there is, I'm not disappointed. But I am okay with the notion that you do not need a Jedi, a lightsaber, or the Force in the story of Rogue One. This could just be about the spirit, the indomitable spirit of these rebels banding together, doing something brave, perhaps even suicidal. I don't expect everyone to come out of this one alive. Doing something brave for the greater good. The greater good. That is a story I'm okay with hearing. And so to the people who say, no Jedi, no love for Rogue One, is that still the case? Talk to me. Tweet me. At Ken Napsuck. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Let's talk about this. I, I want to know, do you need a Jedi in every Star Wars story? I think Clone Wars did a pretty good job. There were some episodes that the Force or lightsabers or Anakin or Obi-Wan, even though there was Jedi crawling all around that time period, uh, they, they didn't factor in as much as they did in other episodes, and I still think they were uh, great episodes. Uh, so that's the question for the week. Looking back, we talked about Star Wars Land last week, one of the big stories coming out of D23. And a lot of you uh, tweeted into me using the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars uh, um, comment thread there uh, saying, What do you need? Uh, Matthew says he needs a speeder bike ride just like I do. And um, there was one good ride suggestion down here. I'm trying to find out. Yes, uh, Nick Widener, skinny on Twitter. Uh, Nick's a, uh, a dedicated fan of a lot of things uh, across the board, schmoes related and everything. Thanks for listening, Nick. And he says, if I needed one ride at Star Wars Land, it would be a Jack Porkins ride. And uh, I could totally get behind that. I think you need to have some kind of Jack Porkins related thing. Maybe, it, maybe it's, I hate to make this joke, but maybe it's a Jack Porkins barbecue stand. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, thanks for the And then he hashtags, what happened to C-3PO's arm? And that is another thing. If you've seen all these shots for The Force Awakens, it's now very clear. If you don't want to be spoiled at all, uh, 0%, I'm about 10% spoiled, uh, turn away now. But yeah, there is the shot of anytime you see C-3PO now, it's he's got one red arm. And a lot of people are starting to be not bothered in a, in a negative sense, but just it's starting to like, why, why, why? We're going to get our answers soon. But I still, I, I'm so curious because to me, something happens to 3PO's arm, you replace it with the same color. So I don't know what that means. Maybe, maybe the future, 30 years after Return of the Jedi, isn't as bright as we hoped it would be. And maybe they can't. Maybe they don't have time. Maybe they don't have the resources. Maybe C-3PO was cast aside and now he, uh, he's rescued again. I don't know. It is a question for the ages. It will be answered soon. Uh, we'll find out together, Nick. Um, so that is uh, just looking through it again. Uh, you guys, thanks for support on that. Um, uh, hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Uh, let's keep the conversation going all through the week. Um, that's about it for me now. i got to go take a nap. I'm still tired from crazy 46 hours just outside Chicago with Screen Junkies and the Wizard World crew. And uh, i got to place my Han Solo action figure very carefully and gently on the shelf right next to Hoth Luke. And while I can enjoy the uh, recreated memories of my youth. 
So uh, that is that. That is episode 18 of Spotlight Star Wars. We'll do it again next week uh, on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. And if I finally can get my feet underneath me, I'll finally start bringing back the classic Knapsack File interviews. I got some guests. Yes, I say it every week, but I do have some guests lined up. I just got to find the time. I got to start stop taking whirlwind trips to Chicago and buying $15 Han Solo action figures so I actually can uh, get the studio uh, studio set up here in Studio City and continue doing the Knapsack Files uh, all that kind of stuff. We're working on all that as we go forward. But I just love talking Star Wars with you. And that is why this show has become the one I must do, will do, every week possible. So, until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars on AppSuck Files podcast feed. So, may that Force thing always sort of, kind of, remain around you, unless it's in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. <laughs>